Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com, part of Edge Sports. I'm recording this on Friday morning, and it's actually threatening snow here in Charlotte, North Carolina, which never happens. I guess that must mean that it's time for the postseason of NFL action. Regular season fantasy games are over, but there's great DFS action for you all playoffs long. And I'm going to help you with my best DFS recommendations for wildcard weekend today. But before I get there, let me first share with you an exclusive offer from Football Outsiders, the innovators of modern football analytics with proprietary metrics you know and love like DVOA and DYAR. Those metrics are used by teams and they're great tools for fantasy players as well. So get the most out of your fantasy teams and DFS lineups with an FO Plus package. You can become an outsider today. With promo code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide on all Football Outsiders tools and statistics. The show is also brought to you by Edge Sports, trusted by Super Bowl champions and billion-dollar betting syndicates. Only Edge Sports offers a fully customizable probability engine, interactive matchup models, and spread it over under projections, so find your edge today with promo code FANTASY50 to save 50% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY50 to save 50% off site-wide on all Edge Sports packages. We got six games this year for for Wildcard Weekend, so you have a few more options uh, from a DFS standpoint, although at quarterback, there really aren't that many that I love this week. Drew Brees and Mitchell Trubisky are the two standout options uh, or values for me, at least in DraftKings. I see Breeze at $500 surplus at $5,700 in DraftKings, Trubisky $700 at $5,300 in DraftKings, and that's almost all about the weather potential issues here. So domes, I mean, obviously domes are great for quarterbacks playing at home, and and, uh, and Drew Breeze has one of the biggest home road splits in football, averaging 3.8 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road since 2017. So you love him at home in the Dome, even without the fans. But Domes increased passing yards and touchdowns per target by 4% and 5% respectively for road quarterbacks. So it could be a nice boost for Trubisky as well, especially relative to the other quarterbacks playing this week because there's cold weather all over the place. For the Rams and Seahawks game, the forecasted temperature is 43 degrees. For the Bucks in Washington, it's 34. Ravens-Titans is 34. Browns-Steelers is 33. And Colts-Bills is 27 degrees, so really cold. Cold temperatures decrease passing uh, yards and touchdown rates by 4% and 11% respectively. So all of those quarterbacks and all of those passing games may be a little bit less productive than you would generally expect, beyond even the fact that they're, they're facing some tough defenses. Now, these two quarterbacks have some tough defenses too, but the Bears have actually slipped a little bit. They're down to 13th in passing DVOA. They also may not have Roquan Smith, who suffered an elbow injury in Week 17, hasn't been practicing yet this week. No news is broken yet as I'm recording this on whether or not he can play, but I'm kind of leaning toward no, and I think that's going to make Breeze a pretty nice value there. He is a value shortfall in FanDuel, however. Trubisky, I see, is a surplus in both. And I think you're kind of relying on more of a game script play here than, than anything else. I mean, the Saints, they're the number three DVOA pass defense. That said, they are the number two DVOA run defense, and they've been the number, what is it, number four cutter of run plays on this season. So I think that if the Saints kind of head up in this game, then Trubisky is going to be forced to throw a little bit more. And while that may lead to some turnovers, that also probably will lead to more passing production yards and touchdowns, which I think will kind of carry the day for you in fantasy. Beyond that, Russell Wilson, I see him as a neutral value in DraftKings at 6700 but $700 surplus in FanDuel where he's just 7400 So that's what, a $700 price difference there. Typically, quarterbacks are about 1500 more expensive in FanDuel, I would say, with their different pricing structures. 
And frankly, this is all about the pricing structure because I don't see this as a good matchup at all. The Rams are the number four DVOA pass defense. They've also been the best defense period in the second half of the season. So it hasn't been great. And Wilson has actually faced them both of his games this year against the Rams, came in the second half of the season. He managed just 248 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions in the first, and 225-1-0 and in the second. So he hasn't exactly fared well. But at least... Generally, Wilson does perform much better at home than on the road. 3.4 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road. So you're kind of hoping for the best there. But frankly, none of the quarterbacks have sort of outlier type of positive value expectations, and none of them have huge negative ones. Lamar Jackson, at least in DraftKings, is my lowest uh, projected value there, negative 450, so 450 shortfall in value at a $7,800 price tag. Similar kind of situation in FanDuel. But given that that's pretty small... It actually makes sense if you're looking to stack for more of a tournament play that you could actually roll with Jackson because I think some of his other skill players that you want to rely on this week, which I'll get to, are actually really nice values. And so if you kind of add it all up, it creates a nice value. And I'll point out that for Jackson, he draws one of the few good defenses that you want to face. They're, I mean, they're a bad defense, so it's good for his fantasy value. The Titans, number 30 DVOA pass defense and number 16 DVOA run defense. So A, it's a bad passing defense, and B, the disparity in their passing and rushing defense leads their opponents to target them at the pass. The Titans are the number three booster of pass plays per game, but closer to neutral, a little bit cutter of run plays per game. So even though the the Ravens are a hot running team right now and want to run the ball more than the other team, this could be a bigger day for Jackson, both through the air and on the ground. And so from an absolute perspective, I think he's going to score really well this week. And I think he makes sense in DFS to pair with some of his receiving options, which I'll get to. But first, I'll start at running back. Uh, and running back, there's one standout value, and it's I think it's pretty obvious why. It's Cam Akers, $1,500 surplus at DraftKings at $5,100, $1,300 surplus at FanDuel at $6,100. Uh, this is about injuries. So Akers has 22, 31, 16, and 25 touches in his last four games, and Daryl Henderson remains out with his high ankle sprain. So Akers looks like a workhorse, somebody that's going to get a lot of touches this week, but he injured his ankle himself a few weeks ago. He did play in week 17, but I think it's clear that he returned to play while still injured uh, because Henderson was out and they didn't really have a lot of other options in a must-win game. And so while he did kind of survive that heavier workload, he averaged just 1.6 yards per carry. And so I'm thinking these prices are dipped down with the assumption that Akers may not be 100%, and that's going to probably affect his performance. Uh, it's also probably a relevant factor that the Seahawks are actually quite a good run defense, number 7 DVOA run defense versus number 20 in DVOA against the pass. And as such, they're the biggest increaser of pass plays and second biggest decreaser of run plays. So you could kind of expect this to kind of shift the workload a little bit more toward, I guess, hopefully Jared Goff, something that I'll get to a little bit later as well. We don't really know yet as, as the time I'm recording this. But I'll point out that for running backs, facing a bad pass defense is actually probably better for their fantasy value than facing a bad run defense because it leads to more red zone opportunities and touchdown opportunities. And the Seahawks have boosted touchdowns per carry by 27%, fifth most in football. So with Akers, I think you're hoping that it's one week later that maybe he's healthier and that he has an opportunity to score a touchdown this game. And so, you know, I could see that as a worthwhile risk to take, given that there aren't a lot of other great options at the position uh, value-wise based on their salaries. Moving on to some healthier options, David Montgomery been playing great of late. I see him as a $750 surplus at $6,900 in DraftKings, but $450 shortfall all the way up at $8,500 in FanDuel. 
So this isn't, isn't really a great spot for him. I think I mentioned already the Saints have the number two DVA run defense and are a big cutter of run plays. They're also a big cutter of touchdowns per carry. So a lot of those things kind of work against Montgomery this this uh, this week. But I think at least in DraftKings, he remains a value because he has a 12.2% target share since Tariq Cohen went down in week three with a knee injury. That's seventh highest among running backs. So Montgomery, even though he probably won't reach the 100-yard rushing uh, platform that he's gotten to, I think maybe three of his last six games, he'll probably fall dramatically short of that. But he could make it up a little bit with his receiving work. And in DraftKings, which uses full PPR scoring as opposed to FanDuel, which is half PPR, I think Montgomery ends up being a value there, kind of on the assumption that he may catch four or five passes this week. Next up, we have Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, the running backs for the Buffalo Bills. Similar value propositions for them. Moss, I see, is a $300 surplus at $4,600 in DraftKings, $450 surplus at $55 in FanDuel. Singletary, I see $250 surplus in both at $43 and $53. Similar prices. Uh, Moss is a little bit uh, more expensive, which I think is appropriate. He's been getting more carries and more goal line opportunities, while Singletary has been getting the ball more through the air in the passing game. So you're just kind of... I mean, I think this is probably more of a game script thing than anything else. The Bills are six-point favorites at home against the Colts. Um, And the Colts, they are a good run defense, number nine DVOA, but I think they faded a little bit from the early season when they were facing some really, I would say, underwhelming offenses. And so I think they've kind of settled a little bit more into a a team that you can run the ball against a little bit, especially for a team like the Bills who were so explosive offensively. So I could see either of these guys as an option, although I don't necessarily love either. Next up, Gus Edwards, $250 surplus in DraftKings at $4,400, neutral at $5,700 in FanDuel. The key point here, I think, is that Edwards is $2,200 and $1,100 less expensive than J.K. Dobbins. But he's actually come very close to Dobbins with 49 versus 52 touches the last four weeks. Edwards has even had more targets, which is something that I never would have thought after the first year of his career. But, you know, I could see him being a little bit of a value here. Uh, kind of piggybacking on the fact that the Ravens have a lot of good values and maybe a good stacking opportunity. And meanwhile, I did mention, I think the Titans are a good matchup for um, in general as a defense Um, and kind of that similar story talking about, even though their run defense is better than their pass defense, they've remained the number six booster of touchdowns per carry at 27%. So good opportunity here for Edwards to potentially score and Dobbins as well, frankly. Um, Next up, Ronald Jones, $300 surplus in DraftKings at $5,500, $100 shortfall in FanDuel at $6,700. Another game script-related play here. The Bucs are 8.5-point favorites in Washington. Washington is a better pass defense than run defense. They're number two in pass defense, but still pretty good, number 11 DVA run defense, and are a big cutter of both yards per carry and touchdowns per carry. Given that Ronald Jones has maybe the worst hands of a running back in football, that's a really bad matchup for him specifically. But I think it works because, again, if the Bucs can build a lead, they're going to want to rely on on Jones to, to kill clock in the second half. And actually, I think this creates an interesting in-game, but across team stack with J.D. McKissick who I see is a, is a value shortfall of 150 at 4,900 in DraftKings, small surplus at 100 at 5,400 in FanDuel. But I think they work together based on an assumption that maybe Tampa can build a big lead, and I think that creates opportunities for both players. For McKissick, in the second half of the season, when Washington has lost, he's had 14, 15, 10, and 10 targets in those four games, good for 12.3 targets per game. But in the second half of the season, when they've won, he's had four, 10, two, four, and eight targets, just 5.6 targets per game. 
So there's kind of a yin and yang situation here happening with he and Antonio Gibson, where Gibson will probably get more work in this game if Washington can keep things close. But if they fall further behind, then it's probably going to be a receptions bonanza here for McKissick. And again, if that happens, then you can probably also expect Ronald Jones to get a lot more carries while the Bucks kill clock. So I like those two as a play together. Keep in mind, too, if you're looking at the Gibson side of things, maybe you think Washington has a little bit better chance than I'm suggesting. Tampa is the number one DVOA run defense and number one cutter of run plays and yards per carry at the position. So however you slice it, however the game script plays out, it's probably a bad matchup for Antonio Gibson, and I don't really like his value this week. Okay, let's move on to wide receivers where – I mentioned with Akers being the the clear standout value at running back, and you kind of understand why. There's something similar happening at wide receiver where I think Mike Evans, Terry McLaurin, and Darnell Mooney are three of the biggest values at wide receiver, in particular in DraftKings, and all three of them are dealing with injuries that make them questionable this week. Evans did practice uh, as of Wednesday, but he's still going to be a game-time decision. And since that game is starting Saturday night, uh, even if you're doing a single-day game, I just don't think it's worth the risk. Uh, given that Washington also is a really strong pass defense. So I think I'm going to avoid him, McLaurin. I would say I'm more willing to use him. He's dealing with his ankle injury, but he at least played through it in Week 17. Although that said, the Bucks aren't exactly a good matchup, even though they increase uh, pass plays relative to run plays. They've also been the number two cutter of touchdowns per target to number one receivers. So McLaurin may not have a tremendous amount of success there. It's more of a price-related issue again. And then with Mooney, Mooney's probably the wide receiver that I would have been most eager to play. He's only 3,900 in DraftKings and 5,400 in FanDuel, so very inexpensive. And he's been kind of on a tear of late. 20.2% target share since Trubisky returned as the quarterback in Week 12. That's 29th among wide receivers. He had a career-high 13 targets in Week 17, but then he suffered an ankle injury. So it's a situation where I think it may actually be unlikely that he plays at all, which is really a shame because he was going to be the receiver that dodges Marshawn Lattimore. And with Lattimore for the Saints, it kind of creates a shifting of success from the number one receiver to the number two receiver. The, the Saints cut number one receiver yards per target by 11%, but increased yards per target to number two receivers by 15%. So, you know, while Allen Robinson is kind of getting potentially shut down there by Lattimore, it could have been a good opportunity for Mooney to have some success, but that's seeming a little bit unlikely to happen. And as such, you probably want to avoid most of the Bears uh, unless you want to kind of target the running game there for some opportunities receiving for David Montgomery. An injured wide receiver that I actually am a little bit eager to play is Michael Thomas, $100 surplus in DraftKings at $6,400. He's going to play this week after missing the last three games with an ankle injury. He's only played two games with Drew Brees all season, weirdly, because his healthier portion of the season coincided with Taysom Hill being the starting quarterback. And so I think that's allowed his his prices to kind of fall. He's down to $6,400 salary in DraftKings and 68 in FanDuel. So I think you can take a little bit of an advantage here for a player that has traditionally been more than $9,000. Not that I necessarily expect him to have a big game. I have conservative projections for him. But the Bears aren't as bad a, a pass defense as you would probably think. I mentioned they had fallen out of the top 10 in DVOA in that respect. But they're also just a small cutter of completion rate in yards per target to number one receivers and the top five increaser of touchdowns per targets to number one receivers. So I actually think Thomas can be a big part of the game plan here for the Saints, dealing with a team that is effective in other respects defensively. Next up, Corey Davis, 650 surplus at just 4,800 in DraftKings. He's more expensive at 6,400 in FanDuel, so I don't like him there. But from DraftKings, I think he's an option. 
Davis Dodge is Marlon Humphrey, the standout cornerback for the Ravens, who, even though the Ravens had a disrupted year with all the COVID issues, still had a strong 6.6 yards per target. And so while the Ravens do cut yards per target to both number one and number two receivers, they cut number one receiver yards per target by 23%, the most in football, and just 9% for number two receivers. So if I was going to pick a Titan uh, receiver, I would probably go with Davis relative to their prices as opposed to A.J. Uh, Brown. But then across the field, Marquise Brown, this is the receiver that I definitely do want to play, especially if I'm working with the Ravens passing stack. Uh, Brown is a $400 surplus at $5,400 in DraftKings, $150 surplus at $63 in FanDuel. He has a 33.3% target share and six receiving touchdowns the last six weeks. Those are both second among all wide receivers behind just Devontae Adams. So you love the recent trends there, and you also love the matchup with the Titans. Again, the number three booster of pass plays. Um, and then for number one receivers, they're a top 10 booster of touchdowns per target. So I think a pretty good opportunity here for, for Brown to score again and keep that hot streak alive. Juju Smith-Suster uh, for the Steelers. I haven't really mentioned a lot of Browns or Steelers, and that isn't just about the fact that they're the last game on Sunday night and that game may have some COVID-related issues that could be a threat. Uh, it's just that I don't really see a lot of these players as having tremendous values this week. Um, Smith-Suster is a little bit of an exception, especially in DraftKings where he's 5,500. I see him as a 450 surplus there. Uh, the Browns do have the number 25 DVA pass defense, but they're a little bit more effective against outside receivers, especially with Denzel Ward potentially being available this week. So I think that Smith-Schuster in the slot may have a little bit more success. Against slot receivers, the Browns are a booster of yards per target a little bit and a big booster, top five and booster of slot receiver touchdowns per target. So it could be a good opportunity for him there. And then closing out wide receivers, Robert Woods, $250 surplus in DraftKings at $6,200. That's assuming that Jared Goff plays, which as I'm recording this, we still don't have word. He's going to be questionable. Uh, their game is the second game on Saturday, so maybe there's a chance that we'll have some indication of Goff's availability before the 1 p.m. Eastern kickoffs. That would be great because which has been great of late, 27.5% target share since week 11 is eighth highest among all wide receivers. Um, so, and the Seahawks, again, because their run defense is a lot better than their pass defense, the Seahawks are the number one booster of pass plays. So it could be a good, good amount of work here, even though Cooper Cup, I'll mention, is going to be back for this game. He's been activated from the COVID list. So if Goff can play, the Rams will be relatively at full strength, at least in terms of availability, even if some of their players aren't playing 100% healthy. And then finally, I'll mention a handful of tight ends here. Mark Andrews, I don't actually see him as a value. Um, He's a little bit of a value in DraftKings, shortfall in FanDuel. It's really not a price thing. This is just a way to continue the Ravens passing stack. The Titans are the number 32 DVOA defense against tight ends, so it's a great matchup. They're the number one booster of completion rate, number four booster of yards per target, and number nine booster of touchdowns per target to the position. But Andrews is also very expensive at 5,200 and 7,000. So you're going to have to get a little bit creative if you want to put him, Marquise Brown, and Lamar Jackson in your DFS lineups. But I still think it makes sense. Across the field, John U. Smith, a value in both DraftKings at FanDuel. The Ravens, you know, traditionally they've been an excellent defense in defending tight ends, but just number thir- 23 in DVOA this season. They have unusually inexperienced rookies um, with Patrick Queen and, and Malik Harrison in their linebacker rotation. So uh, it may be a little bit better opportunity for the Titans to move the ball with their tight ends than usual. Although Smith isn't getting a ton of work, so you're kind of relying on a touchdown here uh, more than anything else. And then finally, Tyler Higby tied in for the Rams, small surplus in DraftKings and FanDuel as well. 
Uh, this isn't like last year when he was just exploding down the second half of the season with tons of work, especially with Cooper Cup out. And again, Cup is going to play this week. But Higby had just one game with four catches in the first eight games of the season, but has three games with four catches in the last seven. So there's a subtle increasing of, of opportunities here for Higby in the passing game. And I think he's separated himself a little bit from, from uh, Gerald Everett in that time. And meanwhile, the Seahawks, as mentioned, the number one booster of pass plays could be a good opportunity for everybody in that game to get a little bit of extra work this week. Okay, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoy watching your playoff games. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, and then swing back next week when I'll do the same for the divisional round of the playoffs. Thanks so much, and I'll plan to talk to you then. (laughs) 